Kimmy, your hair looks amazing. Like such a stunner. Can I take a screenshot of you and freeze <laughs> my face and just go off cam? No. What? <laughs> How about oh. Kimmy? I just told her she looks good. Her hair looks amazing. Her makeup looks amazing. Do I have a microphone amazing. on? This phone on here. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. Wait, I thought you were talking to, were you talking to Jamie? Oh. oh I'm talking about you. What you? What the f***? Oh, I thought you were talking to Jamie. Bueller? Sure, you can. No problem. I'm used to us always complimenting Jamie, so I was... <laughs> <laughs> Jamie. Jamie. Hello, and welcome to Table for Five with No Reservations. Take a seat at the table for a fresh, sweet, salty, tart, and pleasantly bitter conversation. Thank you for taking a seat at the table. Tonight, we are chatting about a little PSA to providers and teachers. We're just going to talk about some of our experiences and hopefully give some insight to sitting across the table from people who come into our lives. Tonight, I have Jen. Hello. Kim. Hi. Jamie. Hello. Rachel. Hello. And I am Tabitha. And so we thought we would start out with just discussing like the most impactful thing that a provider has said to us or that has made the most difference for our family or was the most helpful to our kids. Just starting it off with these stories to kind of give an insight to things that make a difference for us as um, parents to autistic children. So Jen, do you want to start? Sure. I think for me, you know, we had a lot of early on, not great luck with therapists. And when we got lucky enough to find her SLP, she said something to me when we went every Saturday and I was kind of better about going every Saturday. It's Saturday, you know, work all week, spend your weekends, your kids in therapy when your other, your friends, kids are in dance and soccer. Anyway, I'm getting off topic here. Uh, we were assigned, we were doing the Hannon program and it was a a book called It Takes Two to Talk. And it was a book. And I had to read the book. And I was kind of, I have to read this book. And she said, if you don't put the work in at home, she will never be successful. It is as much up to you to put the work in as it is for Kaya, maybe even more important for you to do the work. And I was like, huh. (laughs) And just something in that shifted my whole thinking of everything I was doing with her. So yeah, it was, that was, that was big for me. And then, you know, this SLP just went the extra mile and she came to school meetings with me because I didn't know anything and I didn't have anyone. And I was trying to navigate this new system in the world of special needs. So yeah, her um, speech language pathologist was life-changing for us. Jackie. Jackie, go Jackie. Go Jackie. What about you, Jamie? For us, I, I think about a couple people. The first person was someone during Jesse's school diagnosis who was like our lead and I believe she was the OT but she was like the lead of our case like one person takes it on we only worked with her a couple of times meeting up with them but she like explained everything to us she was really kind she always made sure we understood everything she always made sure if like she noticed someone else in the group like if the SLP were saying something kind of weird she'd be like do you understand that and I really appreciated that but also Jesse's special education teacher in preschool. I've told the story probably like three times on here, but she was the one when like the team that diagnosed him, they're like, we're not sure. Blah, blah. She, after having him for a couple months, she just came out and said, oh yeah, this is autism. And that changed everything for us. Like, I don't know if she was supposed to say that. I think as a special education teacher, you can give your opinion on that a little more, but like, 
I needed someone to say that bluntly to my face. And I did walk away crying. I don't think she knew that in the moment, but I needed someone to say that to me because people were so hesitant to tell me and I needed someone just to say that out loud. And then she just became someone I could trust. I can still message her and ask her about things. Um, she loved my son. Uh, this was a big thing to me. She had a kid of her own. And so she understood parenthood in general, which was nice. And I'm not saying all providers can make that happen, but it was nice that she took the time to have that perspective of like what I might be feeling as a mom and knowing that I needed someone to love my kid. Like she just always did that, even though at times he wasn't the easiest, I'm sure to love. So I'm very grateful for her. What about you, Kim? I guess one of the most impactful statements was probably from the developmental pediatrician who diagnosed her. And I just probably didn't realize it at the time. But I always kind of have gone back to this in my mind is when he said that nothing about her has changed. She's the same little girl she was yesterday. She's still my daughter. We're going to love her the same And that autism doesn't define her. It's not everything that she is. And I've gone back to that statement many, many times actually throughout this life. And I've even like said it to other people so that I don't think I realized, you know, at the time I was like kind of in shock and just trying to absorb the whole mm-hmm. situation. But it is something that I think was pretty impactful um, compared to other things that people were said <laughs> at hair appointments. It was very heartwarming that he was just trying to like reach us on like a different level than sometimes doctors don't bother to do that. And then aside from that, I would say she had a couple teachers and we were very fortunate that her first teacher, like, I mean, adored Alyssa, like loved her. She was probably just so excited to have a girl with autism because back then I don't think it happened that often. And I mean, she was adorable and uh, we loved her, but you know, she was difficult and they just really believed in her and just worked with her and just did all these things with her that like, we were just kind of like, we couldn't even believe it. We were in such awe of her. And then she had another teacher a few years later who was just a very young teacher, like straight out of school. Nobody had a lot of confidence in her, but I mean, she changed Alyssa in so many ways. Like she really believed in her and she really worked so hard to like make her successful and to do things and to try things and, you know, do all the parties, do all the things. Like she left no tables unturned for like trying to include these kids and she was like kind of ahead of her time I think you know and I just think it really impacted Alyssa and all the kids that she worked with really Mm. and it's just nice to have somebody who really cares about your child I mean it's different it's not we're not sending our kids to school necessarily for an education the way you would with your typical children they spend that nine months with them and then they're done she was with this person for three years so it's really important that you know they have such a good relationship with them so I mean I think we've been pretty lucky with all her teachers that she had as far as how they were towards Alyssa maybe not always how they were towards us or me personally or us as a family of really always understanding the family dynamic but as far as them like believing in her and pushing her and you know trying different things with her I think that we were lucky I believe yeah what about you Rachel You know, it's so powerful to me that all the providers have chosen our kids. I don't take that for granted. I feel like it's so powerful that, 
you know, Lacey, if you think about Lacey, the, mm-hmm. there's like this 26 year old skills worker that, you know, volunteered at a crisis nursery and it changed her when she was younger. And she lives to serve families like ours and to keep a family from falling through the cracks completely. And for us, I feel like Lacey in particular, our, our skills worker, she gave us so much time and she really was committed to me and Billy and Billy and I and Seely and Billy and Seely and me and Seely. Like it was so many different facets to what she cared about that I would guess when my daughter is 60 years old, Lacey's still going to top our list. I will say that the most powerful provider moments have always been when somebody's a straight shooter with me. When we were at her four-year well check and the lady said, she is severely atypical. Now that sounds like shit bedside manner. And we've talked about that before on this podcast. Her psychiatrist at Mayo Clinic has also just been very clear with us. He once straight face into the Zoom camera said, you cannot help her. You need to help yourself so that you can get through helping her. Like there is not a quick fix. And I've written a lot about that statement he made because it was really powerful, but it doesn't translate well. People think that he's giving up, but really what he was deeply saying to me is that we need to get support and that without supporting all of us, there is no helping her. And it changed a lot this past year for us. The hardest part for me in dealing with providers is if I trust you enough to help my family, I expect that you would be a straight shooter with me. But as my friend Kim has pointed out from her line of work, or Tabs, you've been able to tell me from your line of work, you can't tell somebody all the things you wish you could in many of these professions. Mm -hmm. So I give them grace, but I mean, push me into the closet and tell me what the Like we can go out of your room with the double-sided mirror. Just like text me. That really is such a conflict for me. Like that people have barriers. It's their job, right? But but it's just, it's hard for me to swallow. Anyway, so there have been a few people that have just gone beside that and said, mm-hmm. hey girl, hey, this is, this is what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> I think for us, Nixon's speech therapist, the first speech therapist that we got outside of early intervention, who is still part of our providers to this day, she was the first person, I remember this very vividly, Nixon must have been in his fourth or fifth appointment, and I was sitting on the floor with my knees hugged up to my chest, and I was staring at what they were doing. And at that time, I was feeling kind of like a shell, just as a person, just from everything that was going on and not knowing and new to having all these people in our lives who were telling us about our parenting. And she stopped the session because Nixon was like doing whatever fine at the moment. And she looked at me and said, you know, how are you doing? And I just started crying. (laughs) It was the first time someone had seen me in the space of the room where they're telling me all these things about my, oh, it's going to make me cry, about my child, you know? So that in itself, just like being a part of the experience, because I think often 
we're sitting in the back as they're like hyper focused on our children trying to take everything in and try to navigate all the people who are talking to us about our kids because I think oftentimes it gets lost that that's not our only appointment for the week that's not the only person telling us things that we should be doing or she was also the first person that put in writing in order to help him that his speech delay could have been autism and it was right before we went in for our appointment with the developmental pediatrician and I shot back that email quick and I was like what are you saying am I reading this correctly no one had sent that to us up to that point and reading it like took my breath away um and she was like so straightforward with me and she was just like this is going to help him get services I'm putting in there that it could possibly be autism I can't diagnose him but you need this in your report in order to get him qualified for the speech therapy and get your insurance to pay for this and I'm sure she could see what I couldn't see in that moment but I had we just talked about this this week and you were telling me like you don't even know what services are yet yeah and she's just so I'm willing to say this to help yeah and it wasn't she didn't say he had autism she said his speech delay could be caused by autism possibly you know it wasn't even like her directly outright I think I have, let me see. Oh, she updated it after I emailed her back saying we don't have a diagnosis. That's what I shot back to her in the email was like, what are you saying? We don't have a diagnosis for him. And she said in the updated versions, I said the difficulties could possibly be caused by ASD. So she put in the report that it it was possibly autism, but obviously she's a speech therapist, so she can't diagnose autism. Looking back, like my response was like, heightened and I was like what the actual f am I reading right now and she was so experienced and great that you could tell immediately that she knew what the response back to me should be to not make me feel out of place or feel like I was overreacting or being crazy for my response she's fantastic I mean we are so lucky to have her on our team and just like a warm kind and recently she connected me with another mom in the area who was having struggles navigating some stuff. And she asked me if I would speak to her because of how quickly and how well we've been able to navigate some of these systems. I'm like, of course, send her my phone number. Like I would love to help another mom anytime, you know, if you have someone. So she's just like a bridge of a person. Like she knows how to talk to me. She knows how to help my kid. She's also out there seeking resources for other people to connect with each other, just a fantastic human being. So lucky. One thing I wanted to mention was Jackie was the first therapist that actually took an interest in, had a vested interest in her and not for selfish reasons. And it wasn't to, you know, we, our entry into therapy was just money, money, money. It was nothing to help my daughter. So finding her was life-changing, but I met Chelsea through Jackie. She recognized as an SLP that my daughter needed OT. She said, Jen, this little girl, she needs, so instead of you know, trying to keep her there all the time. She recognized that Kaya needed 
occupational therapy because most of Kai's speech sessions were done on, on Jackie's back being hung upside down to get that sensory input. And then I met Chelsea, who was Kaya's OT, who also came to school appointments with me. I mean, these two therapists stepped way out of what they needed to be doing to help us. And then Chelsea was with us through the medication stuff. I don't know how we got so lucky getting those two. I mean, two two therapists that literally changed my autism journey with my daughter. I mean, they really, really did. Jackie very early on, and then Chelsea smack dab in the middle. It's amazing. Yeah. And I have to say that as many, I mean, a lot of us have had not good experiences with providers, with doctors, and we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But um, I think that a majority of people who do this do this for the right reason. Yeah. They do this because they want to help the children. They do this because they can see things that we can't see. Most of the people are good. Like there's bad experiences too, but I, I really feel like the majority of people are doing this are especially in the beginning. They are doing this because they want to do this. I just wanted to mention quickly because I forgot about this person. Alyssa had a really bad year of aggression. And I mean, really bad. She was 12 and we were, we didn't know what to do. So her school speech therapist came to the house for some home visits and I learned so much from her. I would just make comments like um, Alyssa used to do this thing where she'd like put her eyes to the side. I'm like, oh, don't ignore me. And she's like, oh no, she's not ignoring you. She, that's her processing. For years, I didn't know this. For years, I thought she was just ignoring us. And she's like, nope. She's like, she, and then I would repeat myself as you naturally do as a parent. And she's like, oh, nope stop repeating like just give her a minute you got to give her like 30 seconds to process what you're saying I mean that changed the whole way I interact with Melissa and still I have to remind myself even today mm-hmm. to or remind other people to pull back because it is a natural thing if someone's having a hard time understanding you get a little louder you get a little slower it's just like these little things that like I just had no idea about even though I mean she was 12 at the time so we had been 10 years into our diagnosis but and then I had another speech therapist who went and fought for her to get a speech device. She did everything she did. I mean, I literally just signed the application. She filled everything out. She went to the place. She found the grant that would pay for it. Like, I mean, they were advocating so hard for her. And I don't even think I really truly realized it mm-hmm. at the time. But then when you hear all these other stories from other people, it's like, you're like, wow, you know, because that was brand new at that time. So these things were like, you know iPads weren't out that long. They got her an iPad. They got her the Perlo to go app. They got her, you know, a, a case, everything completely covered. So that was pretty cool too, you know. But my my point is, I think that, you know, a lot of the a majority of these providers are really for our children. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it it's like Rachel said, like the Lacey's of the world that are extraordinary, the Jackie's, the Chelsea's. But, and this is, a, I don't, the mass majority, I don't, I don't know. It's such a high turnover. They don't seem to understand our kids. They don't seem to have any interest to learn about our kids. It's an in and out position. I mean, that's the experience we've had. That's that's what I'll be very clear. And I found that in in Vancouver and the bigger centers that it was just this massive turnover. I mean, they couldn't even keep receptionists in the damn building. So (laughs) let alone therapists, you know what I mean? But that's just the experience we've had. Very far and few have even taken an interest Mm -hmm. in autism let alone being a provider working with my child. So that's the thing I was going to, yeah, that's the thing I was going to go to next. Like, what do you wish that people understood more about our kids or about as you've gone through these systems, as you've sat across these 
people who are talking about our kids, who are working with our kids, what would you say that you wished more people were aware of or knew of or in your experience, whoever wants to jump into that? I would say the biggest thing for me, and it's something very simple, is they need to learn to listen to our words because we know our child better than anybody. And a lot of times they talk over you, they talk around you, you know, they kind of yeah you to death. And I know parents in general can be biased and parents in general can be subjective, but this situation is so different. Like when I say my daughter doesn't sleep, she doesn't sleep. That's what it means. It means she doesn't sleep. It doesn't mean she sleeps only seven hours. <laughs> it means she doesn't sleep. Or when I tell you that you're not going to be able to get a needle in her arm, you're not going to be able to do it. That to me is the most frustrating thing is when they never seem to listen to you. I don't know. To me, that's the biggest thing. It's like, if you listen to us, you would just cut out so much middle stuff that's completely unnecessary to put our kids through. And again, our kids are different around other people. It's even, I mean, neurotypical children do that. You know, they behave differently in front of their parents and they do for a teacher or a babysitter or whatever it might be. And therapists, you know, early on, I asked one of the therapists that was in my home doing behavioral intervention. And she actually told me she had no idea what autism was. It was her first day. But she was a a teacher and then switched over into this profession. So I think it's lack of training. I Mm -hmm. I think it's just all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's like you said, Kim, when you say your kid doesn't sleep, like they don't seem to have this in-depth knowledge of autism, you know, the true. Except Alyssa's psychiatrist, because she told me, remember what she told me? She goes, yeah, I don't know if you're aware of this, but autism and not sleeping go together it's like very common <laughs> that's you're not aware. I'm like you don't say here you're not Wasn't aware that last year? i don't know if you're aware of this yes everybody's Thanks for telling me now aware of this everybody's aware well, of this. i just had no idea why she wasn't sleeping i just thought it was some random <laughs> you should try <laughs> melatonin for that <laughs> yeah if you tried melatonin give it I think, I mean, what you guys are kind of hitting on too, it's very rarely do we work with someone who specifically works with autistic children. Like, Mm. so our pediatrician is treating my son, but they aren't necessarily an expert in autism. But if you have patients who are autistic, you might want to do a little research and not just what you quickly read about before you come in the room with me because you're like, oh, I need to recommend that she does ABA and this and that. Maybe read a book by a parent of an autistic child. Read an account from an autistic person. Like reach outside of what you think you're just supposed to say and know and okay. just do a little more to understand. If you don't have an autistic patient, I would get why you wouldn't know. But the moment you find out one of your patients is autistic, just take like, 30 minutes and research it a little more and get to know and show them that you can't care. And I think the same thing, like, I mean, we've had speech therapists who know about autism and don't because not all their patients have autism. And so I think from our point of view, sometimes we get so caught in this world and we're like, oh yeah, you have patients that aren't autistic, but you do have clients that are autistic. So maybe learn about that or ask us like, what is your child like? And also just like going back to an episode we did in the last series, like, autism means a lot of different things so don't come in with assumptions about my child because you worked with another autistic child Mm -hmm. it's not one size fits all you know my son can speak some can't but he can't communicate properly and we've had great providers that do that stuff and then we've had providers that clearly don't 
and it's just like so awkward and especially in the beginning for me as like a quiet shy mom who is trusting of you because you're a provider and you're supposed to be an excerpt in some of these areas I don't know how to speak up and I didn't know how to speak up and now I'm getting a little better at it but not that much I was gonna say about her pediatrician that we got fired from (laughs) got fired she said can't you just get her to sit down is she always this busy why is she touching the things on the wall and I looked at her and I said she has autism and then I wrote a piece about it. I didn't name her specifically. Didn't know her receptionist was following me. I got a letter in the mail that quoted my page. And oh. It worked out. It was the best thing, actually. I didn't like her. I was really, I mean, she just had no bedside manner. She was a pediatrician and could not understand my daughter on any level how busy she was. So it was a good, it was a, a blessing in disguise. But same thing, Jamie, read the room, lady. Gonna say also to remember that you as a pediatrician or the speech therapist or ABA therapist, you're not the only person we're meeting with. Yep. And you're all telling us different things. Yeah. Yeah. And I so was going to say that. That's another mm-hmm. big thing. Like give us some grace because yes, you are like parent training us or telling us, oh, you need to make sure you follow this on with Jesse with speech as much as you can or with OT or whatever. But we're also trying to implement like three other therapies in our home and also educate our child and also survive. So just remember that like you aren't the only person we're working with. Yes. Amen to that. What about you, Rachel? I feel so deeply that there's like this 15 minutes with you giving treatment to my daughter or our visit or whatever. I wish people could understand that like really keep it in their present mind that this is our every second. So while you might be a little bit annoyed that my daughter is looking up your skirt, she's in the stirrups in that room. She's asking for the blocks and the dollhouse at the same time during this 36th assessment of the year. She is doing the best she can. I am here. I have notes in my phone. I've got notes in the notebook that I probably left on the seat in my car. I'm probably sweating through my bra. I'm trying to present myself well. I'm trying to get my kid out from under your skirt. And I still need to communicate with you because I booked an appointment. I get so frustrated that it's so hard for you to endure 15 minutes and disrespect my parenting at the same time when this is my whole life. Mm -hmm. Every minute of my whole damn life. So that's tough. Like that's tough for me. I think that that's where the people that have done well for us have either been really integrated into our lives, which we welcome. Oh, hey, new doctor to our team. Would you like to come for a six day sleepover? Because I would have a sleepover to show them what this is like, but integrated services in our life where they listen, or they're physically here in the point of struggles, because I don't know. You can talk. She knows the idea of safety in a car, but until you're putting her through the paces on a bumpy road with a seatbelt hitting in the wrong place or ears popping or whatever the heck triggers, you're not helping her in the car. You know, I just, I get really annoyed about both the disconnect and the fact that people can just refer you if it's too much. Like, yeah, I'm going to put up with you until I'm done with my three brainstorms, which are going to be clonidine, which are going to be Ritalin, which are going to be this. And then if that doesn't work or this play therapy in 14 sessions, then I'm going to just refer you to the next 
mofo. And that's usually fine because you're about to get fired, but it's just frustrating. (laughs) And it's the simplistic suggestions they make sometimes, you know, and you're like, I'm not at the goddamn sleep study at Mayo Clinic because I haven't tried Benadryl, you know, (laughs) like don't uh, the guy that like took my daughter at inpatient suggested melatonin. I could not wait to get out of that building to cry with my husband. And to call you guys, tell you what an idiot just took my kid, you know, <laughs> it feels like somebody's judging you, slapping you, hugging you and being like, you're a hero and you're doing it wrong. Yeah. I was going to say my biggest like thing I wish other people understood. And we've seen this with providers as well as like in the school system is that my kids can hear you. They can hear you. They're in the room. They can hear what you're saying, watch your words about them, look at them and understand that they're a person standing in the room with you as we're talking about them as if they're not in the room. And we don't know what they're absorbing, period. That's it. Just remember that my child is there. And if present. you're questioning that, play Blippy for like 13 seconds or play The Lion King because you'll know how quick they're listening. <laughs> and then my other thing was the have you tried this if you see a parent gloss over the second you say have you tried this <laughs> because we've been down 15 avenues of trying the things before we're actually asking you for a solution we've gone to the resources we have tried the things everything you can google on the internet people Whatever's on the list, we've tried it by the time we get to you. And so come up with something yeah. creative besides the have you tried it solutions. But also understand that like the gravity of what you're telling us at, in one moment verbally for me specifically, I might not be able to absorb at that time because I just sweated my way from the parking lot into your lobby with my two children and it's a hundred degrees in Arizona. And there's 47 rocks slash a pond on our way into your thing. So if you're trying to give me solutions in the lobby in five minutes, I'm not probably not going to hear what you're saying. If you could shoot me an email with like a follow-up or a text or something in writing. Or even if it's the first time you're getting that information of like your child might have this other thing or something. And then you like try to give us information after that. That's not going to no, 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 we just heard the first line. The other thing I want to say is that um, this sticks with me still to this day is when we took Nora to get her autism evaluation. It was at a center. We were going there to see the a psychologist, but it was at a center that provided ABA. And I overheard the staff like talking about a mom canceling her child coming in that day because she couldn't get him dressed and out of the house. And they were saying what to each other, they were saying, what do you mean she couldn't get him up and get him dressed? Like just get him in the car. That is not a thing, people. If we literally say we cannot do this, it's because it is impossible to get the shoes on to get the jacket on, to get in the car, to drive there, whatever the circumstances may be. We're not just saying that to cancel an appointment. If she said, I can't get him out of the house, it's because something was happening that morning where they could not leave the house. And I guarantee she wanted to get out of the house with her child to get them to that place. And you 
making judgments about her not being able to do that, even though she wasn't in the presence, I guarantee there's a vibe <laughs> about it that we pick up on. Show us some grace. I mean, really, we're trying the best we can. And sometimes we just can't. We can't make it to that appointment. We can't make it to the car. We can't make it to the thing. We got to cancel because there's only so much bend that we can give. And some days you just are walking through your day. And that's the most you can do. You can't, I can't speak for everybody's kids, but my kid, you cannot hurry. It's you can't. Right. You can't hurry. There's no, no there's no <laughs> such thing in her life. She has no concept of time, no concept if we're going to be late. And the more you try to hurry her, you lose five minutes. You lose yep. 10 minutes. And even when you're not saying the words, she knows. So it's like, you have to have so much patience. Yeah. Even though in your mind, you're screaming like, we gotta go. That's the things that I feel like they just don't have the understanding. Those so, the receptionists are the most judgy people ever. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, what are these people saying right now? We're in the lobby. I can hear every word that you're saying that poor mother. Like I'm I'll just imagining other mothers. I like was like, excuse me, what are you saying right now? What I don't saying? understand what you're saying. What are you saying? And that I just made up this whole person in my mind, like this mother at home with her son, like struggling to get out of the door. Like I imagined this whole experience. And even if she might have gotten him out of the door, it might not have been safe to drive with him. Right. 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 So that's the part. And that's, these are people that are evaluating your child. This is what makes my blood boil. Yeah. They have no idea about a child on the autism spectrum to make that off the cuff comment yeah. means they know nothing except the gosh darn stuff they data chart, which is irrelevant, useless, and a waste of time. I'm yeah. gonna leave that part out of this. <laughs> That's my rant about it. Yeah, yeah, so that that was the, so the psychologist that we were there to meet was fantastic. The staff for the programming or whatever, whoever it was, I don't know, the randos, waiting in the lobby to pick up the kids they're not randos they work there they're employed by the agency but they were having this discussion and then it hit me like those judgments we feel I know that I've left places with people looking at me a certain way and I literally want to scream like what the actual people don't look at me that way because I'm doing my best that I can do right now in this moment and I felt that many times if and you're showing up, you're trying. Yeah, I say don't so judge loud. me for trying. Don't try to say I'm not trying because I'm I'm there and I'm trying. So don't talk about me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I say it so loud. I'm like Celia. I know you're doing the best you can. Mommy is too. We've been having a really tough day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So what we wanted to say was thank you to all of our amazing providers because I believe this with my whole heart. You can change someone's life with one thing that you say to them on one certain day. I That is my mantra for life. You never know the impact that you are having on people that are sitting in front of you. Also try and learn a little bit more than what is in the textbooks from the people that are sitting across from you. Ask about our children because we know them best. It's not going to be the same as the next kid who's in your next speech therapy or your classroom or your center or whatever the case may be and kindness goes a long way kindness goes a long way and also we've tried the 15 things that you're about to suggest to us already That's most likely most I want to say that shoot it in an email like and <laughs> this is not to sugarcoat this is definitely not to sugarcoat but I feel it deeply you know Celie went inpatient last year 
she we discharged and we're not super thrilled with the happenings of the whole thing the outcome or maybe much of any of it however i don't ever tell people that that hospital is a waste of time it was for us i think it's really important to note that there might be a bad fit with Celie while you're still a great therapist or while mm. you're still talented in your modality of whatever you're bringing to our table but if there isn't chemistry with our kids it's just like a no thanks next week thursday no yeah. thanks yeah. and it's not hard pass, hard pass. but yeah. like yeah. we're not going to get through anything if you're not going to vibe that doesn't mean you're terrible but it does mean we're not going to be here next week yeah, we will see you next thursday <laughs> it's not going to work what I, what I find really difficult too is it's not so much her providers like we've They've all always been wonderful and understanding. Listen for the most part. It's the people like surrounding, you know, like the receptionist or when they, like Alyssa was sent to get blood work, they would not fix her seizure medicine until she got blood work. Well, nobody can get blood work out of Alyssa. Like it's just, it's not a thing that happens. She has to be sedated. They send us to the ER and the ER is like, you can't just come to the ER to be sedated. Like I didn't just walk off the street. And be like, oh, I'm gonna get Alyssa sedated today. Like, nope, there's an order. Our ER has like a children's um section too. So, but even when we went back to the children's section, they were like, she had done this before. This wasn't the first time. I told them the medicine that she needed, and they were like, okay, let's get her an IV. I mean, how do you think you're gonna get an IV in her if you can't get blood out of her? <laughs> It's the same I mean, thing, you're not, people. And then it's they're the like, same. oh, we're just going to give her out of the end. And it's like, no, because that's not. And they like weren't listening. And then all of a sudden they were like, oh, we're going to have the security guards come in and hold her down so we can get an IV in her. And my husband's like, no, nobody. We're, we're out of here. No, do not touch my daughter. Nobody's touching her. And my husband is very pretty much a quiet guy. So like when he yells, it's kind of like i'm like what's happening but like he was 100 percent on the right and like these people aren't trained you know how security guards hold down a, a non-verbal autistic first of all she'd probably fight them off like her journal would be so crazy second of all like two men aren't gonna go, go hold my daughter down while you like stick a needle on her like that's not how this is gonna work but they just wouldn't listen if they just listened to or looked in the chart we had nothing to do with the doctors and the people once we got where we were supposed to be, they were great. But it's just like all these other people sometimes just, they're so clueless. Like I don't- Let me let's... explain to you how we defy protocol. Just listen up here, grab your pen. <laughs> yes. Jen was saying about training, right? Because like the people that are in the trenches, the people mm -hmm. who are at the front desk or the, you know, people navigating- getting us to the place where the people know about autism don't really have the training around our kids it seems I mean yes. I can't say that for everybody but it just seems that way it's the same with like teachers in the schools like regular classrooms have very limited training you know there's just not enough money or training to go around for everybody but the main thing without is training you can listen yeah listen to us and you can hear hear what the words that are coming out of our mouth people <laughs> we know best please hear the words that are coming out of our mouth so that was our PSA to providers I'm sure we'll talk more about providers in the future but we just wanted to do a little hey there this is our thoughts thank you to the amazing people that 
work with our kids yes. because you the make good ones. Thank a you. huge Thank you. difference mm-hmm. in our lives, period. So we will catch you next time. Have a good night. Thank you. Thank you for joining us at the table for this PSA to providers. If you enjoy the podcast, make sure you are subscribed and make sure you rate and review us. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you'd like to contact us, you can at tableforfivepodcast at gmail.com. We have new episodes every Monday. Join us next week for more. Bye.